Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. marks the last segment of our series, Portraits of Grace, where we've talked about the various metaphors for the church used in the New Testament. Today, we're going to be discussing the branches, or maybe a better word for it would be the tendrils, the sort of little spirally branches that come off of a vine. You know, one of my favorite movies uh, is actually pretty interesting. It's called A Walk in the Clouds. It's with Keanu Reeves. It's about a, a man who's just returning from the Second World War back to his home in California where he meets a woman who is uh, from a family who owns a vineyard in the Napa Valley. This woman is, uh, this family is a Mexican-American family, and the father of this family is staunchly pro-tradition. He talks about he wants his daughter to marry a Mexican man who is going to tend their Mexican vineyard to make their Mexican wine, and that she has a plan, that he has a plan for her, and this American GI is not part of it. And so for the duration of the movie, you show this constant struggle between the father and this man, and the woman, her heart torn in two, is stuck in between honoring her father and her heart which is being pulled towards Keanu Reeves. Well, this, cli- this comes to a climax towards the end of the movie where the father, out of a, a dr- drunken rage, knocks over a lantern and burns his beloved vineyard down, the vineyard that had been in his family for generations. And at the end, it's just a burning, smoldering mess. And it seems like all is lost. Well, of course, Keanu Reeves, being the protagonist at the proper time, runs and basically rips this vine, the original vine, the mother vine of which this whole vineyard is planted, right out of the ground. And he finds a spot of green. And the father, who thinks everything is done, looks and sees this green and says there's life in the vine. It's still alive. And he cuts it and he gives it to Keanu Reeves. He says, this is your life now. This is your vine now. Plant it. And so they planted and everything lives happily ever after. You see, because life is not in the outward part of the vineyard. It's not in the branches. It's not in the leaves. It's not in the fruit. It's in the roots. It's in the vine. It's deep within the brand, or the, the, the plant itself. You know, our lives can feel like a smoldering ruin sometimes. Things happen that we don't expect. It seems like everything we've worked for and built in our lives can be gone like that. And it would seem that nothing that we've worked for, nothing that we believe were blessings from God are left. And it seems, it can seem certainly that all is lost. Now maybe your life is not a smoldering ruin. I know the smoldering ruin life. 
I've lived there before and I don't want to go back. But I know that it's always possible. But maybe your life is just like the rest of us who suffer from the human condition. The damage of daily living in a sin-sick world often motivates us to look to seek life and growth in other places. Outside of the vine. Outside of Jesus. This morning I want us to ask ourselves, in our own individual lives and in the life of this church, from where are we deriving our power? You see, because we are often tempted to look everywhere else. The world promises that we can find power. The world promises with money, with prestige, with fame, with know-how, you will find the power you need to live a life free from suffering. But the Bible says otherwise, and God warns us about seeking our life in places outside of Jesus, our vine. So today we're going to talk about seeking our power in life in Christ alone for the fruit that we bear that glorifies God. You see, only that which we derive from God, only the fruit that's produced in us from our relationship with Jesus Christ is lasting. When we die, we bring nothing with us. Maybe you've heard the old joke about the man wanting to bring gold with him to heaven. And when he gets there and he opens his suitcase, St. Peter says, pavement? The streets in heaven are lined with gold? Yeah. We bring nothing. Everything we work for here, it'll be gone. Everything that we hope for here that's outside of Christ won't matter in the end. Everything that we seek to insulate ourselves from the suffering that is inevitable in this world will surely fail. Only the power that is from God is effective to protect us and keep us. Only that power will bring us into glory one day. You see, the obstacles here on earth are stronger than we are. If we waste our time trying to overcome them in our own power, it takes time away from what we should be doing, glorifying God with our lives. Today we're in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, when we read this, I think that I've been tempted to read this as a discourse on whether or not I'm eternally saved or I can lose my salvation, because we talk about cutting the vine from the, or cutting the branches from the vine and throwing it into the fire. When we look at this passage with everything else that the Bible teaches us, we learn that this is not at all a passage about whether or not we, if we do not bear fruit, will be thrown in hell. This is a passage about where are we seeking our power. And so we must read it carefully like that. Jesus is talking about him being the source. And in nothing else are you able to bear fruit. He's speaking about finding our lives in him and only in him. Otherwise, we'll be fruitless, and our lives, which were made to glorify God, will be wasted. So turn with me, John chapter 15, 1 through 8, and let's read it. I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In this passage, the word fruit is mentioned seven times if you include the word fruitful. That's what this passage is all about. Often when you're looking at a text in the scripture and you want to say, well, what is actually being said? Because we can really get down into the nitty-gritty and lose the main idea. When I read this passage, I see the word fruit. And this is what Jesus is talking about. And that's our first point for this morning. We were made to bear fruit. We were made to bear fruit. So what is fruit would be the most obvious question. Well, fruit is anything that is produced in our lives as a result or by virtue of our connection with Jesus, with Jesus Christ. Our connection with Christ through the Holy Spirit, affects every aspect of our lives. It grows us into the people that God wants us to be, people like Jesus. This affects our relationships. This is what it says in Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, that's what the world offers. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, have been crucified, the flesh and its passions and desires. If you notice that list that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, these are all relational aspects. Everything that's going on here is, a, is something that's, that is interacting with somebody else. So look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. These are all interactions with others. The way we follow Christ, our connection with Christ, should affect the way that we interact with one another, especially here at Grace Bible Church. When we interact with one another, is this what's coming out? Is this how we speak to one another? Is this how we're patient with one another when we are struggling with shortcomings or making mistakes, which I assure you, all of us have. Not only does the fruit of the Spirit affect the way we interact with people, not only does the fruit we bear affect the way we interact, but it also affects our attitudes. Jesus told the disciples early, actually, I'm going to be honest here. I don't know if this is Jesus or John the Baptist speaking. One of you guys can tell, let me know. Matthew 3.8, this is the verse. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The idea is, is that when our attitude is one of brokenness, when our attitude is one of submission, of recognizing that the way we go in our life, the way we want to go, our inclination in life is one way, but it really needs to be another, that lifestyle of living against the grain of our heart, that's repentance. And when we live that way, it produces fruit in our lives. We feel grief. 
over the sins we commit. I often talk to people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and they're very sensitive about the sins that they've committed. And when they tell me about them, I sometimes think, that's so little, that's nothing. The more time you walk with the Lord, the more sensitive you become to sinning against him. And so the natural progression for a life that's connected with Christ is one of grief and our repeated and constant departures from his will for us. So it affects our relationships, it affects our attitudes, and it certainly affects our actions, the way we behave, the way we live our life. Colossians chapter 1 says, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased praying for you. This is Paul and his fellows asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We're praying that you understand God better and what you have so that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, when we live connected to Christ, it comes out in the way we behave. It comes out in the way we interact with one another. This is a very important lesson to learn, is that as we're interacting with others, as we're living life connected to the vine that is in Christ, and we produce fruit for which we were made, this is not our own fruit. We cannot lay claim to our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We cannot. That it's Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit that is working its way out. He's working himself out in us. And when this doesn't happen in our lives, it's evidence that we're quenching the Spirit. More on that later. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 7. He says, Likewise, my brothers, you've also died to the law through the body of Christ. So this dying to the idea of right and wrong, this this idea of earning our righteousness before God, we're dead to that, so that you may belong to another, namely Christ, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit. Because Christ died and was resurrected, we are to bear fruit for him, for him. Because fruit is God's goal in our lives, when it does not grow, he takes action. This says the one that does not produce fruit, he pr- or produces fruit, he prunes. Listen to that. The one he, that produces fruit, he prunes so that it would produce more fruit. Oftentimes we look at our life and we say, all of this stuff's happening to me. I got this bill I didn't expect. My kid's acting crazy off here. I just got in a car accident. Now I have an ulcer. And we just, God is against me. What did I do wrong? Maybe we should be asking ourselves, what did we do right? That when we are living our lives connected to Christ, that out of his love for us, the Father prunes us. The Father desires that we bear more fruit than we already are. And sometimes that's painful. We've all seen pruning before. It's the reduction of branches. It's taking away so many branches so that the resources in the plant have less places to go. So there's more resources to each branch. Pruning increases growth, but I guarantee you pruning hurts. And pruning can look severe. I remember watching this show on PBS not that long ago about English gardens or something. And this guy's like, this tree's growing over into my you know, uh, neighbor's yard, so I'm going to prune it now. And then I walked away <laughs> to go get something to drink, and I came back, and it was a stump. I said, I thought he was going to prune it, not cut it down. 
And he said, I know this looks severe, but this is what it has to look like. This is how we do it. Sometimes in our lives, if we say, okay, Lord, you can prune me, but just take a little off the edges. I just want a little cut. That's it. Not a lot. And he decimates our life. And we say, why? Why? I know you love me, but is this what, this is what loving me looks like? And then the season comes that the fruit appears. And we look back and we say, thank God, thank you, Lord, for doing that to me. I look back on my life and all of the self-inflicted wounds that I've created. I look on my life now, some of the things that I'm struggling with now, and I'm trusting the Lord that this is pruning for the future. That I might not see the result of what's happening now. In fact, it looks just like destruction. But I know that God is going to produce fruit in me because he has promised to do it. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what areas you're struggling with or feels like God's pruning you. Trust the Lord. There's going to be fruit there. Seek Jesus. Look at him. Focus on him. Seek your life in him and watch what happens. Fruit that you're not even working for. Fruit that just happens by virtue of your connection with him. I mean, look back on your life. I'm sure you've had these things too. A time when it seemed like all was lost. And now you're full of growth, full of fruit. God loves to prune us of things like relationships. Let me give you a secret about life that I've learned, okay? Not every friend you have has to be a friend forever. And that sometimes God puts people in our lives for a season. That doesn't mean that we've made a mistake or that God is taking something away or that God is, be, or that God is being mean to us or the idea is, is that people come in and people go. What's the old saying? Make new friends and keep the old. One is silver and the other gold, right? We're constantly creating relationships. Some of those relationships go. And it's okay. The Lord can prune them. The Lord does prune them. How about our resources? I had a great job one day. I'm speaking hypothetically. I have a great job now. But I had a great job. I got laid off. Now I can't find a job making half of what I did. What does that do? Lord, help me. Let me tell you what happened on the way back, from, Fran- on the way back to, uh, from France. We're on our way to the airport in Paris. We're on the expressway. I'm just sitting here having a great time. We had coffee that morning. We ate more bread because we knew we were never going to get bread again back in the United States. And so we're visiting with people. We're having a great time. We're about halfway or half hour away from Paris. I get a notification. Now boarding. Now boarding. So I hurry up and get my phone. I look at the email. I got the time wrong. I felt so foolish. I felt like an idiot. I got the time wrong. I saw the landing time here in Chicago and thought it was the departing time there in Paris. So I tell Dan, I can hear the engine revving. You know, he's trying to go faster, but there's no way. We're not going to make it in time. You know, there's no way. So I kind of just had to like lick my wounds, get over myself. Let's get over, you know, I said, let's just get a hotel. We get a hotel, I call. The only tickets we have, sir, are in business class. Okay, I'm not a business class guy, all right? Because it would have been $4,000 to get us home, all right? $4,000. And so I was like, how can I do this? I was starting to get really caught up in this whole situation. Finally, I just said, you got to do it, Lord. You got to do it. I don't know what's going to happen. If I have to live in France for a week, I'll stay. (laughs) 
But however it is that you want to work this out, I'm trusting you. I finally got a call back from American Airlines and they got us the tickets for 50 bucks difference each one. You know, and as soon as I let it go, the phone rang. As soon as I let it go. And the woman was so nice. It was my mistake. I told her. I said, I messed up. She goes, oh, it's okay. It happens. And if you don't know, there's a strike in Paris for air traffic controllers right now. So I literally could have been there forever. Side note, I got on the plane. It was like half empty. Tried to get me. But no, God overrode that and made it so I had a way home. Distractions. God loves to prune distractions from your life. Loves. Because those things are pulling you away from your purpose, and your purpose is to grow fruit, is to bear fruit for him. And so even though how bad it looks, how, how, much it, how painful it is, we know that our heavenly gardener, the vine dresser, he knows what he's doing. And so trust him. So what does this mean for GBC? For GBC, it means there's going to be times that we're pruned. I think of a, I mean, what's the most obvious pruning right now? COVID was a big pruning for us, okay? I look up out in the church and I see who's here and I see who's not. And there's a lot of new faces. And there's more people here than there were pre-COVID. So let me tell you, so before COVID happened, we were hitting like, I don't know, maybe 150 on a Sunday, on a good Sunday. COVID happened, of course, everyone just went their way. We stayed low in numbers. Last two weeks ago, we were at 172, the highest number we've had. That's not like Christmas and those special occasions, a regular Sunday than we've had in four years, I think. That's God pruning. There'll be families that we love and adore at this church that will not be here with us in five years, in 10 years. And we say, oh man, how can we lose that important family? Or how can we lose these important people? God forbid there's strife because we're, look, we're people. People are people. It happens. But we look and trust in the Lord for the result. We don't look to ourselves and say, how can I get more people? How can I drum up more resources? How We look to God and trust that his pruning is for the best. It might hurt. It might look severe, but we trust God. That means we hold all of our preferences here at GBC, our ministries, our visions, our missions for what we want to see with a very open hand. Because God knows better than us, there'll be things that we might have done for a long time that do not work anymore or are not producing the fruit or maybe we, don't eat, maybe we think it is and God says, nope, and takes it out. All of our ministries, all of mine, and maybe mine for, first and foremost, are subject to revision, are subject to pruning because God is good, because God loves us, because God knows that he created us to bear fruit. We are made to bear fruit. But where we derive that power from in producing that fruit in our lives matters. So two, we seek, let me say that again, we bear fruit by seeking our life in Christ alone. This is what it means to remain in Christ, verses 4 through 7. This is what he says again. Christ says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can the, you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to continue to seek our life and power in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone alone. This does not mean that we don't do anything. 
This means we do the next right thing. We do what God is calling us to do, but we trust Him for the results. We trust Him for the power. Many times I've asked one or more of you to, to do something, some ministry, some volunteer, some testimony is a big one. Oh, I could never do that. It's not about you. All you got to get up is get up and talk. Because God will work through you. The power is in Christ. It is not in ourselves. We look everywhere else though, don't we? You seek, like me, we seek to find solutions. Okay, I'm stuck in Paris. How am I going to... I actually looked up how much an ocean liner would be across the Atlantic. <laughs> Queen Mary 2 is the only one, by the way, that still goes. I need to be creative about this. How can I be creative about finding this? We look to our health or our physical strength. Let's run some more. I got 18,000 steps in Lille, France. That's a miracle. That's God in me right there. That's not me. We look to our reputation or our career path. If I get fired from this job, I'm good. I'll be able to get another one anywhere. Or perhaps most, maybe the scariest, is we, we look to our own will informed by our own wisdom. Never a great place to be. We think we're smart enough, rich enough, healthy enough to produce fruit for which we were made. But we cannot stave off the blight of life. No matter how healthy and ready and prepared we think we are, no matter how well we think we're producing fruit in our own blight, mold, can come and ruin anything in a moment. Everything. And sometime in your life, it's going to. We look to Christ. When they grow grapes, wine is everywhere in France. It's crazy. It's like I sat down, every, everyone asked me, do I want wine? No, I don't drink. I can't tell them my joke. It doesn't translate into French. I don't know how to say it. I tell them I'm allergic to wine. I said, every time I drink it, I break out in felonies. But they don't, they don't get it. All that wine requires lots of grapes, and there's vineyards everywhere. Vineyards everywhere. The interesting thing about grapes is, is you don't irrigate grapes the way that you irrigate other crops. Part of growing a good grape is punishing the grape. It's preventing the grape from getting water. When the grape looks like it's dying, when the vine looks like it's really rough, you do not, you do not spoil it by giving it a little bit of water. You force it through the hard times. What you do do is you pull the soil away from the base of the vine. It exposes these top and superficial sort of roots surrounding the vine. And it will pull as much moisture as it can from the air. Even under the hot, dry sun, it will find that moisture in those little, those little roots. And it will derive itself there. But what's interesting is, is over a certain amount of time, you don't let it go that way. You don't let it continue to, you cut the superficial roots at the top away. You force it to go deep. You force it to push its roots deeper into the soil. Not to take the easy way. In the surface. I mean, our life is like that. We're often in a drought. And instead of going deeper, we're looking for whatever moisture we can get. I don't like life. It hurts too much. So I go use drugs because I feel better. Had a bad day? I'm going to shop till I drop. 
We look to all of these things in our lives for the source of our power, the source of making ourselves feel better about what our human condition is, and in the end, it's meaningless. We were made for fruit, and we find that power in Christ alone. Everything is energized by his life in us. Everything else is useless. Our remaining in Christ starts with our heart. It proceeds to our thoughts and our attitudes and finally to our behavior. This is a lesson that we need to remind ourselves of again and again. Our fruit is not first. Our fruit is last. It is the result of seeking our life in Christ. It's being in a situation we can't handle. Jesus, where are you, Jesus? It's getting up every morning or every night or the time that the Lord has set aside with you to learn and sit at his feet. It's cultivating that relationship with him. Day in and day out, through the good and the bad, through the hard and the easy, celebrating him when things are awesome. And looking to him in desperation when things are not. And as we cultivate that relationship with Christ, what happens is naturally we produce this fruit. In your life, consider yourselves more and more connected to Christ. Tell yourself again and again, because this is the truth. The reality is, if you were a child of God, you are connected to him. But we don't live like that. We look elsewhere. To use an older word, reckon yourselves dead to sin and reckon yourselves alive to Christ. You're connected to him. The world and even the church tells us we should be better, do better, think better. But this kind of puts the cart before the horse. What I think we need to do, what I believe the Bible is teaching us to do, is we need to trust better, seek better, depend better, long better, repent better. I mean, what's that like in our life? We talk to someone, yeah, things aren't going too well. Are you repenting enough? Maybe you should repent some more. I have a choice to make. I don't know what to do. Well, maybe we need to depend more. What should I do? Trust God. Cry out to God. How many of you lately, think about this. I'm preaching to myself right now. How many of you in the recent have cried out to God? Our lives should look like that. Our lives should be emblematic of the cry for help. Deliver me, Lord. Deliver me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Consider the imagery there. A branch cut off laying on the ground and expecting it to bear fruit. This is sometimes what we expect people who do not know the Lord to do. We intend for them, we ask them to behave and think, and like Christians, they're not even connected to the vine. How possibly could they? How could they? It's only as the life of Christ flows in and through us can we bear fruit from God. Listen to what Jesus says, though, in verse 4. He says, as I remain in you. As I remain in you. Remain in me and bear much fruit. Jesus is saying, I'm already there. I am in you. I am there. And I'm not going. You will not leave. So what does that leave us with? If Christ has promised he's here and present and he's the life and power in us, then what do we do? We believe him. We believe him. And we live our lives reckoning that truth. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. I can do all things because Christ is in me. So what does this mean for GBC? Well, there's often times we need to do less to bear more fruit. 
There oftentimes we need to do nothing when we think we should do something. This is a counterintuitive idea. We think, well, there's an issue, we need to address it. Sometimes that addressing it looks like doing nothing. It looks like trusting the Lord and relying on him. It looks like crying out to him, Lord, save us. We should consistently be putting our results second and leaning into our life in Christ first. I think this looks like more prayer and less planning. We spend a lot of time planning. I mean, I'm the lead. This is what I do. It's what I'm supposed to do. But how much of my planning is energized by prayer? How much of our planning in our daily ministries? Maybe you don't serve here in a ministry. Maybe you're out in the world serving the world. Maybe you're focused on a ministry to a friend or to your family. And you're thinking, if I can get them here, I'm going to do that. How much are you praying for them? How much are you seeking the results in your life in Christ and Christ alone? When we seek our life as a church in Christ alone, there will be times that our efforts in the Lord do not seem to be aligning with results. I put all this work in and one kid showed. I spent so much time preparing this lesson for this gathering or meeting and everyone gave me an excuse. Only one or two showed up. There are times when we need to trust the Lord that those one or two are the ones that God wanted there. There are times when we show up on a Sunday morning and there's not a whole lot of people here or we wanted something that didn't turn out the way we thought. We're trusting the Lord with the results. We're not going to cancel everything and start something different because it didn't turn out the way we thought. Let's trust the Lord. Finally, third point. Our fruit reveals Christ's life in us to the glory of God. Our fruit is about Jesus. Our fruit is less about us. Verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our fruit is a testimony of the life in Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. Like I said, our fruit tells people about Jesus. We're showing that we're his disciples, but in the end, it's about Christ. It's to his glory. In this, my Father is glorified that we bear much fruit. Fruit of the Spirit can only be produced by the Spirit. And only the fruit that's produced by Him matters. Matters. We can do some of these things in our own strength. We do it all the time. Jesus warned us about that. He called them false prophets. I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I beg God, do not make me a hypocrite. I know that Satan would like nothing more than to strike the shepherd so the sheep scatter. And many of you have been walking with the Lord a long time. Many of you are in ministries where people are watching. Many of you are living lives of, the rest of your family are not believers. You're the only believer. And they love you, but they, deep down inside, want proof that what you believe is not real. Is not real. Because then it would make them feel better the way it made us feel better before we were saved. Before God, by his grace, opened our eyes. We didn't do anything to deserve this. This is Christ in us coming out. I don't want to be a pretender. Hypocrite means play actor in Greek. I don't want to be a play actor. I don't want to play. 
I want this to be real and powerful and authentic and something that just comes out of me. I want this for all of us. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. When people come into our church and they meet us, it should be obvious. Obvious that we are producing fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and it shows them that we are who we say we are. That God is who he says he is. Or do people come in and see nice people on a Sunday morning who gather because it's the nice thing to do, it's the respectable thing to do? Or do they see people who know what they've been saved from? And so live their life with such gusto that they, it, there's not enough time in the day to let the joy of the Lord that's in us out. When we display authentic fruit of the Spirit, we show others that we are disciples of Christ. And it's about Him. It's about Him. So let's be real. I don't want fake. Too often I get up here, I say things, or I think to myself, well, what am I, this is what a lead pastor is supposed to do. Supposed to say. But life's not always good. Sometimes life is hard, and it's just going to be that way. You've got to take your medicine. You've got to sit in it. And the best you can do is be honest about what is really going on. This is a place that I would love nothing more. And I think the Lord wants this. I've been, you know, the more I pray about this, I, our church should be a place of such safety and growth that people can come in and say, what is really going on? And not feel judged. Because the other person's going to say, oh, I know that. I felt that. Listen to this. <laughs> I got one better. This is what happened. But the Lord is good. But the Lord is good. And this is what he's doing in my life. Giving a testimony of his goodness. Are you bearing fruit that glorifies God or self? Are you bearing fruit that would cause others to believe that you're a humble, growing, totally dependent follower of Jesus Christ? Or are they just seeing someone who's nice? Maybe you're saying, maybe you're convicted here right now and you're saying, no, I'm not producing the fruit that I should. And so let's talk about that. First and foremost, most obvious, and this is something we've got to be real honest with ourselves about. Am I connected to the vine? Am I actually a follower of Christ or am I just following an idea? Am I just, I know these theological truths and so I'm putting those in my heart as evidence that I'm saved. I can recite the Westminster Confession. So because I know the Westminster Confession, it must mean that I'm okay. That does nothing. In fact, that hurts you because it gives you a false sense of security. The way you're connected to the vine, trust Christ. Lord, not me, you. 
You died for me because I could not die for me. Lord, I'm a sinner. It's you. It's you. It's you connected to the vine. We need to be honest about that. We can deceive ourselves, can't we? Maybe you're attempting to produce fruit on your own and in your own power. And by doing so, you're showing this lack of trust. You're showing that you're desiring to control situations. And sometimes you're even seeking glory from yourself. I sense this. I mean, I get up and I talk. I'm on Facebook. I'm online. I have little commercials we're working on. If I'm not careful, it becomes the Adam show. But you have this in your life as well. There are going to be lots of times, and I'm sure they're happening now, that you will be acting and living and believing in a way that inwardly, secretly, you're seeking to glorify yourself before others instead of the one who gave you everything. What did Jesus say? They speak words with their mouths, but their hearts are far from. May it not be so with us. May we be a church that is just absolutely sold out to Jesus Christ and all about him. Whatever you want, Lord, about you. About you. Everything we do should glorify God here at GBC. This is our most basic mission. We talk about reaching families. We talk about reaching these people. We talk, in the end, glorify God. Glorify God. I've been trying to think about this lately. We're not adding people, we're growing tendrils. When someone shows up, if you're a visitor here today, I'm hoping that you're a little sprout. We want to cultivate that. We want to protect that. You know, gravity can do a lot to a new branch that grows off of a vine. Vine dresser has to tie it up and bind it and support it. And the Lord does that through his people. We want to support you. Like I said, when people show up, do they see Jesus in us? Or do they see us pretending? So let us consider these questions. Let's think carefully. Let's pray about it. This week, let's be working with the Lord. Let's be interacting. Lord, show me these places that I need to root out. Here's a dangerous prayer. Prune me. Prune me. The truth is, is if we have that sense that we need to be pruned, it's evidence that God's already doing it. Sometimes we have to have these things happen in order to produce the fruit that God requires, that God desires from us. So our points today, we are made to bear fruit. We bear fruit only as we seek our power in Christ, our life in Christ, and that fruit reveals something. It reveals Christ in us, not us. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we, you are the vine dresser, your, your son. Jesus said that you are the vine dresser and that he is the vine. Lord, there are times that you will prune us and that you will grow us and change us so that we produce more fruit. Lord, let our hearts constantly be attuned to the Lord, to Jesus, the vine. Help us, Lord, to always consider ourselves alive in him. Lord, forgive us when we sought to glorify ourselves or do things out of our own strength. My prayer, Lord, for this church is that every day we would wake up and we would say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. We thank you for this series. We thank you for this family. In Jesus' name, amen. 
It's an, ex it is an example of this, of what it means to be seeking all of our power and results in Christ. We're going to talk just a brief minute about some of our missionaries, especially the ones who have retired, our older missionaries, so we can keep them before you, so we can be continuing to pray for them, so we can be continuing to be considering them and what they're doing um, even in the field of their retirement. You know, you guys are retired. Some of you are retired. You're on the mission field still. You're on the mission field. They face, these missionaries often face insurmountable odds. You know, if there's anyone who knows how to fully depend on the Lord and his results, it's missionaries. We just came from France. It's hard. It's hard. I have a much better understanding now of what it means to be church planting in a foreign country, at least in France but I'm guessing in other places as well. And you have to rely on the Lord. Otherwise, nothing will get done. God has to be the one to open the hearts who would hear, and so God has to be the one that would protect these budding churches in places that, are, that our church is not as present as it is here in the United States. So let's talk about some of these faithful and continuing missionaries and how they're still seeking uh, their life and their ministries power in Christ. The first, Jean and Carol Burton, they were just here not that long ago. They continue to bring, and relying on the Lord, to continue to bring the truth to natives, to Native American tribes uh, in Colorado. Uh, they were recently ill, Jean particularly. You can be continuing to hold him up in prayer. Um, Kent and Suzanne Herschelman. Kent continues his work with the Seed Company. Again, he was not here. Uh, he was here not that long ago. He's fundraising for the translation of the Word of God around the world. I was flying back from France, and I thought, well, if I could learn French, because you know I kind of caught the bug. If I could learn French, and I know Spanish, and I know English, that means I'll be able to preach to 39% of the world's population. 39%. If I got really crazy and started doing Mandarin and Arabic, we're like up over 50%, 50% of the world. Thousands of languages, thousands. There are languages still that do not have an alphabet, a written alphabet. And the seed company helps create these alphabets, make translations of the word of God. This is hard work. Only in the power of Christ and seeking that result in Christ is this possible. Dave and Debbie Tazalar. Dave and Debbie were missionaries ministering in Mexico to the Mixtecos, an indigenous group marginalized in Mexico. They now live in Idaho, where they minister part-time to retirees and migrants there. They continue a relationship with the Mission Gospel Fellowship and the people they served in Mexico. They still are supporting kids who are going to school there, and in doing so, with limited resources, you have to trust the Lord in order to get these things done, and they are. James and Carolyn Fasold, during their retirement, this, couple, this couple's had a great impact by presenting seminars to pastors and teachers in the Spanish-speaking world. You'd be surprised, which is with as many people who speak Spanish around the world, the paucity, the limitedness of resources available in Spanish as related to theological things, you know, teaching pastors theology. Those books are not always uh, present in Spanish, and so uh, James has done a lot of work in doing that. And so some very important books, especially about the interpretation of Scripture, so that's important. Now he sits on the board for a camp, La Carta in Spain. Bill and Kathy Batchelor, another faithful, dependent family who has been seeking the Lord and his power throughout their ministry, particularly now with Bill transitioning out of ministry there in Brazil, and Kathy struggling with um, Alzheimer's or dementia, a type of dementia. 
as she continues to decline and win some battles and lose some battles, seeking the power in the Lord. These are people who have done this for decades and are continuing. He's a director of the Oasis Counseling Ministry in Brazil. Uh, a, new, a new place has opened up, so instead of retiring and being completely out, it's like, well, now let's expand. The Lord's ready for them to do something different. Kathy struggles with Alzheimer's, and Bill has been doing a lot of her caregiving, the management of her health. Now, we can't do that kind of stuff. That's a lot. They're trusting in the Lord, so we can be in prayer for them that their ministry will end well. Here's a name we've not talked about in a while. Mark and Joanne Mackey. They ministered to the Zaporozhia, Zaporozhia Bible Institute uh, in that province, in the city of that name in the Ukraine. We've recently heard of this city because they have nuclear reactors there. And so who knows what's going on there. They're damaged during the war. And they continue to keep contact with that school uh, that they uh, help minister there. And finally, last but not least, the youngest of the bunch, the tiniest of the tendrils, Andy and Lorna McDonald. Um, they are working at a torchbearers camp, and they are continuing to bring the gospel to young people in Europe who are coming. Uh, they don't have, so because they're 100% supported, we do not support them financially anymore. But we're what we've called them gospel partners. So these are people who, while we don't support financially, we still, if they were to send something that needed an update, we would do it like this. We're talking about them now. So we're asking that you would pray for them and continue to lift them up. So even though that they're not supported, they're still very much a part of our mission family. And so we want to make sure that we do not forget them. Evidence, all of them, of finding the source of their fruit in Christ and Christ alone. It's too hard on the field to do it otherwise, and it's too hard in our own lives to be seeking it anywhere else. So why don't we pray for them? Let's pray that the Lord will continue to bless them as they continue to minister, and we will finish up this service. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we lift up all of our missionaries. These, uh, especially, Lord, ones who have retired or who have gone off of our roles, but, Lord, are still very much in the fray. We pray, Lord, that you would give them grace and resources and blessing. We pray, Lord, that you would just constantly remind them of what they learned on the field to depend on you and your strength for their fruit. I pray, Lord, that you would give them <laughs> deserved rest for the work that they have done, Lord, on your behalf. We lift them up and thank you, Lord, for their ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.